Hello and welcome to uh, another and out the blue episode out the blue. <laughs> of the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Tom Laird, and of course my sparkling co-host, Anthony Samaroff. And this is episode 163, Who'd Have Thunk It? And together, today, oh, hello, get my teeth in. <laughs> today on the show... We have with us uh, a guest uh, who have been keen to get on for, for a little while. Uh, we have uh, Councillor Paddy Hogg, formerly of the Scottish National Party. Sorry, the Scottish National Party, if I give him the correct title. And he's agreed to join us today to talk about his campaign and the campaign that he's part of to stop the lockdown and the restrictions that the government is placing upon us and the infringements upon our liberty. Paddy, uh, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. An awesome responsibility you've taken on your hands. Well, thanks very much for the invitation um, to you both. To Tam, nice to speak to you and to see you. I would obviously prefer to do this face to face, but at least we're not wearing masks and we can see each other. So, and it's it's nice to to um, to be speaking with people who are part of a group where you came and supported the grassroots movement. We. Yeah. We ended up calling the group Saving Scotland because we felt there was so much going on, the economy being damaged, a lot of the supporters, although we're being um, branded by the mainstream media as conspiracy theorists, yeah. virus deniers, you'll know, you came along and you see the calibre of those we invited to the rally on the 5th yeah. of September, Professor, yeah. Professor Dolores Cahill, Dr. Malcolm Kendrick, um, and Professor Richard Enos, who's been on the ground. I think you probably know it, Richard, as well. He's from yeah. Edinburgh. He's a scientist. We're not conspiracy theorists. We're not virus deniers. Um, we're just people who have done a lot of, well, myself, anyway, I know a lot of the members have done a lot of research into the science. And it seems to fall into two camps, in my judgment. I'm happy for you to discuss or deny okay. or debate with me, you know, because I think that's just a healthy debating yeah. and discussing group. Um, the science seems to me to fall into two camps. Those paid for, the paid for papers um, from big pharma, from the pharmaceutical companies or whatever pushing the agenda for vaccines or yeah. other pharmaceutical products, and those that are independent scientists. So there seems to be, I would call them hirelings, the ones that are, you know, they're in place, supporting Gates, yeah. et cetera. But that sounds like it's a conspiracy theory. But if anybody's involved in politics, and even at low level like me, a councillor, and if you were being supported or associated with a, a private group, you would have to declare an interest and you couldn't speak. Sure. And yet we've got Devi Sridhar, a professor of policy stuff, who's given advice on viruses. I don't mean to slag Jason Leach, I think he's doing the best he can, but Jason's probably a dentist. Hugh Pennington would have been a better guy, but you know. Yeah. Just, okay. just for the benefit of some of our listeners, because the, you know the, many of them will be in America and some of them will ah, be right. in, in Europe. Um, Jason Leach is the uh, advisor is he, uh, to, to the the government yeah. on on health matters, and including this particular COVID virus. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. just want to say, like, I have never seen, I can't remember in my life, not even the run-up to the Iraq war was analogous to this in terms of all of the media having one party line. Yeah. I've come to feel like 
if I, I don't have a TV at home, but if I'm at my parents' house and they have the news on, I'm like, do I live in a communist country where there's only one opinion allowed on TV? Because I have never heard them invite so much as one expert who's an economist or epidemiologist or any kind of med medical professional, of which there are many, and some of them with bona fide histories, yeah. on just to say, well, you know, maybe, you know, some, lo not even a moderate position, like, yeah. well, some lockdown measures might have been nece necessary, but I think it's gone too far. I've not heard them talking about um, how UNICEF said that 1.2 million uh, dead children they will predict uh, due to the lockdown in third world countries. I, I know that's not here, but in Western countries, that doesn't mean they don't matter. They're, they're taking our example. Yeah. In Western nations, there's, no, there's been no cost-benefit analysis. No one sat down and leveled with people and said, look, here are likely to be deaths due to despair, alcohol, and drug use. Um, due, uh, never even mind the economic consequences. Lack of uh, basic medical attention. Yes, we've ha of heard of yeah. so many people dying because they're afraid to go to the hospital to get seen. Um, for the potential of a heart attack. Um, so I, I, what I, one of the things I'm really interested, before we tell people you were involved in obviously organizing a lockdown process, uh, protest and you were arrested, ding, 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 right? The, 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 these are the big topics of the day. But I'd like to know what you've seen in your personal life has been the consequences of you taking a contrary position in this climate if you wouldn't mind sharing that it's a good question i mean i think everyone who makes a stand in this um have been right at the start i mean the 23rd of march i put out a, a video on how to boost your immune system because obviously it's something i knew a lot about through just personal research but i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist i'm just a sort of um <coughs> what do you call it an interested citizen who studied that through sports nutrition because i've coached athletics for a while Right. Um, so I was aware that if if you want to stop a cytokine storm, you can have high levels of vitamin D. So that would have helped prevent some people falling to the worst aspects of of the COVID nineteen infection during the worst sort of region with the pandemic when it when it was at its worst. But when I was promoting that, I paid for it. I took serious abuse. You crazy on Facebook, and people seen. You know, it, it was just tons of abuse. And I was actually paying for it to promote it to try and genuinely save lives. Right. I copied, um, what's his name? A, a guy's stuff about hydro um, hydroxychloroquine as well. Mm. And I put out his procedures because he'd saved lives in America. I paid and promoted that. So as soon as you do that and you stem away from the mainstream media, you're right about the comments about no debate, no discussion. You get hammered. You're called a killer. Um, yeah. that people are going to die because of your stupidity just like the same yeah. like Dr Gold Simone Gold and the other brave doctors who came out in different places where they knew they were saving lives where they were saving lives and we've seen the product of that people leaving the hospitals etc it didn't matter if you were contrary to mainstream media or being, were being hammered I have never seen anything like this mm. and if you're putting stuff on Facebook Lots of friends are, we're seeing stuff being fact-checked. So I was looking at stuff um, 
to do with intravenous vitamin C, which can help in sepsis. And yeah. I thought if this stops ARDS, which it can do if you take it. I mean, IV vitamin C was used in New York, it was used in Shanghai, and yet the NHS here doesn't see it as a potential right. method of um, curing people. Of, but I think they've, they've done some research and peer-reviewed stuff on um, sepsis, but we yeah. could have saved lives with that. We could have used hydroxychloroquine, etc. But people were thrown under the bus, as Dr. Kendrick stated at the, at the rally, you know. Yeah. But you have taken tons of abuse, but lots of us have, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been bullying. It's been yeah. You've, you've been abused because we've been socially herded with language like um, responsible social distancing. So yeah. if you get too close to someone, I've seen someone when I was in college school shopping, jumping several feet away from me, as if I had the plague. Yeah, it's happened to a few people. You know, oh, you're not wearing a mask because you know it sort of increases your CO two, it lowers your oxygen. You know, you're yeah. damaging your health. And yet people will look at you as if you're a pariah. So I think anyone making a stand outside the sort of um, controlled mainstream media is getting abuse. And it's the psychological herding of the experts from SAGE. Because they right. want to up the fear to control people. And I've seen a statement from them that was leaked. I forget when it was, maybe April, May. To make sure the fear levels were at the right height to control and get the right behaviour. As if they needed to protect us like a hundred sheepdogs around about us, you know. Yeah. To me, it's abuse, fear, deliberate fear, manipulation. And when you know the signs that once fear levels get really high, particularly elderly people, very sensitive, elderly people who are isolated, feeling anxious and depressed, their levels of cortisol is going to go through the roof. And when cortisol goes high, your immune system collapses. Yes. I was aware of these things. Yes. Yeah. And I, for, for me personally, as a libertarian, I don't see a huge role for government. But I thought if we're to take at face value that this, the, the duty of government is to protect the ins, um, interests of the citizens, if I was in charge, the first thing I would do if there was a pandemic is, right, let's prepare a government document taking the best science we have on how to improve your immune system and mail that around everyone's house. Brilliant. They don't they don't have to agree with Paddy Hogg exactly. on on what boosts your immune system. Yeah. They just go to the scientists. Yeah. What do you know about boosting the immune system? And send that document to everyone's house. That's then, yeah. Then you would think, oh, right, we have a government that's being responsible. It seemed they wanted to stop you from going out and taking exercise, getting fresh air, getting sun, which increases the vitamin D, getting social contact, which creates endorphins, serotonin, Absolutely. all those happy yeah. chemicals that make totally. your body function at its best. It's like it's it's like some we've gone into some weird science fiction dystopia where we were told this was going to last three weeks, and and now. When the death rate is, sorry, sorry to get on my podium soapbox, but we've not done a show for a wee while and some yeah, of these things, it. some yeah. of these have been uh, building up in me. You know, we were told this was going to last three weeks. Now the death rate's plummeted. And I don't know if our, most of our listeners are in the States. I don't know if they know what's just happened. First of all, they've, at the end of it, they've made ma masks more enforceable. And now they're saying that as of Friday, bars will have to close at 10 p.m. I mean, yeah. Yeah. what? Well, 
the hell? Well, the, close it, the rule of six. Which, well, look, there, there was the, the two-meter Peter rule, which basically they, they, they pulled out their backside. That's demonstrable. They, there was no... And there was no reason for that other than just, well, it, it sounded right, you know, and, and they thought, they'd done that thing of where, well, it, it, a meter's fine, but if we tell two people two meters, then they'll keep the meter. Problem is when people find out that the two meter rule was nonsense, you know, it, it kind of undermines them. Secondly, now, now they've told us the, the rule of six, which again, they've pulled out their backside. It's completely arbitrary. There's no reason why it shouldn't be seven or five or four or any other number. It makes no sense whatsoever. And now they, they've, they've gone with this curfew. Again, there is no clinical reason whatsoever why this curfew should be sensible or work. The only reason that I'm left, the only sensible reason that I'm left to, to conclude is that they're just basically getting you used to tools of oppression. Right. You know, right. they're getting you used to curfews. So they can do it at any time. And you go, well, you know, this is, this is what we do. I mean, I've lived in, in countries where curfews were a matter of course. And it's the strangest thing when you come from a, a liberal democracy. But you go, how, how do people put up with this? Why, did, why do people think this is normal? Well, this is how it happens. Yeah. You know, this is how freedom dies. People incrementally, yeah. that, just that slow ratcheting. The totalitarian uh, well, tiptoe. Yeah, it's, it's the little, new, push the everything's line, the new push normal. The yeah. Suddenly yeah, the police man. smashing the window of your car and dragging you out because you won't give them your details is the new normal, as is happening in Victoria, Australia. And if anybody thinks that that can't happen here, I'm sorry to shock you and disappoint you, and I'm not trying to frighten you, but it very much can happen here. Um, and it, it, dis it disturbs me. Um, and, you know, on, on, the, on the subject of arrest, I mean, just, again, to fill in our... Um, our, view, our listeners, uh, you are formerly a member of the, the SNP, the Scottish National Party, which is the ruling party in Scotland, and they have been for some time, and the party that at least on paper pretends to be pro-independence. Um, now, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's your background. Um, what, what was the, when did that come to an end, Paddy? Was it through this or was that, pre, was that previously that the honeymoon between you, I'm, I'm calling it a honeymoon, you were with the SNP for quite some time. Yeah. What, what, what was, did you have, were, were those, did those doubts build up before this COVID uh, crisis or, is, or um, was it a direct result of it? Well, to, to be honest, I was quite genuinely committed to independence. For, yeah. I mean, I stood as a candidate in the early 90s, but didn't get elected down in Galloway, where I'm originally from. Right. And I've been elected twice here on the ticket. Um, and for a while, I mean, I, the main reserve I had with the idea of independence, and I, I, I did think Alec would have made a good first minister mm. um, compared to Nicola, but I'm in shock with the situation now. But when I left a couple of years ago, there was a, it was because of a few issues. Right. I always sort of thought that if we don't have our own clearing bank and we're still with the EU yeah. and you know I think we, obviously Britain, England, the UK we need to trade because if we don't trade we'll do about 45% of our own veg, vegetables growing. Okay. If we don't trade with other places we're in serious trouble in terms of food and starvation but the one thing that was always the caveat with me was if we don't have a central clearing bank we are financially in trouble. We need to go cap in hand to the EMF, the World Bank, 
or even to the UK's you know, bank to ask possibly for, for loans. So that was the concern I had. But technically speaking, given the interconnectedness of all the different nations in the world, independence, strictly speaking, is really just about looking after your own house. I mean, I've seen it as the first principle of international law. It makes seem to me to make sense that you should be able to run the finances of your own house. Why yeah. should your neighbor run your... It just seemed to make sense. So the fallout I had wasn't with the idea of independence. It was just with several individuals within okay. the party. And I felt a few of them were, they came straight in, no experience, hardly any professional background, were bully, bullying other people, mm-hmm. intimidating them, aggressively mistreating members of staff. Somebody shared a head of planning saying, you better up the price of my house stall. You know, because the guy was selling his council house back to the, back to the council. There's two people who I'd heard allegations of them being pedophilic, and I wasn't happy with these people because it had been reported a couple of years ago that the SNP seemed to be supporting them. I'm a former athletics coach, and if someone, if anybody suspected a fellow, if a fellow um, coach was suspected, you'd have them, you know, out of the stuff until there was an inquiry done, reported to the police, and if anything was, anyone was found guilty, they would have been struck off. Yeah. Now, we, we were all vetted properly as coaches. And yet someone who failed vetting got pushed through by an MSP and then suddenly not too long ago was arrested for Peter Phillip charges. I was aware of these things right. and I reported them to a certain MSP. Nothing was done. So there was a few things that disgusted me and there was a lot of bullying going on and they weren't working for the people, one or two of them, some good colleagues some quite bad and I thought I'm not, right. I'm not associated with them, you know, so okay. t- it doesn't matter if someone's political be political ideology, I won't support someone that thinks dodgy, right. stick to my principles, so maybe the cliche is true, I don't suffer fools gladly, you know. All right. So, well, a hard time in politics, a person who sticks to his principles will have. Well, yeah, pretty much that's the case. So when Let's talk about uh, the, the protest that's the, the, the protest that myself and Anthony and yourself attended uh, a couple of three weeks back. Protest? I didn't, I, I didn't attend a protest. What? <laughs> it was a rally. That was just someone else really handsome. You mistook me for. Yeah. I, I sent my clone, my twin was there. So. That's right, yeah. So. <laughs> This the the gathering that we all found ourselves at at, at Holyrood. Um, that was sizable. Uh, I was surprised myself because the one I'd attended previously, there was maybe 40, 50 people at, at the most. There was probably more press than there was uh, actual protesters. Right. That one, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to to count. I, I had a quick head count myself. Never mind what I read in the media, and I, I counted about six hundred or thereabouts, maybe more. Uh, people, which was a really good turnout, uh, and you know, that was people. I, mean, I, I thought it was a couple of thousand, you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it could well, it could well have been, but it was certainly. But you know, the the actions of the media on that day was that you know they they done their usual thing. You know, they went about trying to find uh, all the screwballs they could find. You know, trying to find any cranks, anybody who had a sign that you know was you know you know that looked a bit tin foil high. They're the, they're the people that they want to interview, 
and uh, put them on the front of the newspaper um, because they can't have anybody who who, who speaks sense, sense. Yeah, doing it. But I remember on the day that I went to that print, and people might find this hard to believe, I remember saying to my colleagues in the workplace because I was due to, due to work that night and saying to them, look, I'm going to a protest today. If I'm not in uh, on time tonight, there's a good chance I'm actually lifted. Um, so, you know, I won't, I won't be at work. And they were kind of surprised, going, "Well, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a bit, you're exaggerating a wee bit here, aren't you? I mean, come on, what's the chances?" And I thought, "Well, pretty good. I mean, I'll tell you how seriously I took it. I took precautions. I've taken my laptop and my, uh, you know, my computer, uh, my, my uh, tablet, and taken them round to a friend's house and putting them there because I didn't want, if I got arrested, I didn't want the police coming to my house and seizing them." Um, and and this can happen. I've known people that the, the police have come into their house and took photographs of everything, rifled through their drawers, uh, seized their equipment, like their, their computer, uh, hoping to find something on there. And even if they don't, they keep it as evidence and you're struggling to get your property back for months. So I, I don't know how it, how it was for you. Now, you got arrested, not after that protest, but I believe a protest the next day. Were you expecting that? Um, I, I guess the threat was always there, but when it happened... How how did that take place? What did the police do? What you know? How did that go down? Um, it was right. The rally was on the fifth, and on the tenth, we went to the parliament, knowing yeah. that the first minister's questions would be on, and that was. Tell me, we got there about ten, and it was a case of a call was put out, bring some placards, etc., and I took a wee PA along and with a mic. So we had very specific banners, placards for that day, basically saying 0.1% was the infection fatality rate yeah. in the UK, and statements that 99.9% .9 of people wouldn't be hugely adversely affected. It would be like a flu, symptoms, etc., that sort of thing. And we, we put other very specific um, topic-related stuff about the nursing homes, demanded an inquiry into that, some yeah. saying we wanted the end of this tyrannical coronavirus act. And I think there was comments made basically saying, it was quite raucous, we made a lot of noise. There was about 50 yeah. of us turned up. Um, and it was, it, we're basically saying, look, it was like Dolores Cahill had said, we're saying that the PCR testing, talking about the so-called cases just now, right? Yeah. Are not completely accurate or objectively scientific uh, mechanisms to define COVID as an infection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it picks yeah. up, everybody seems to know that. You, it's a cliche to say it's false positives, but we know that it picks up genetic material, which they then have to amplify. So the, the, the process of the, from swab to so-called case can bring out any form of genetic material, whether that's exosomes from the shedding of new cells and old cells from DNA because that's the way that works. So as we're yeah. bleeding out, we can, we can be um, shedding exosomes. So natural, just breathing, talking, etc., can do that. But when they're taking a swab, it could have been either an old coronavirus, could have been a, a flu, a cold, or just genetic yeah. material. And that's then amplified, seen as genetic material and that genetic material is, it's assumed in most cases, and there's been some studies done where the 
where they stated, and this, this is scientific stuff, not my opinion, that 90% of the tests are invalid, that they should be stopped. So when Dolores Cahill is chanting, stop the testing, stop the testing, it's justified. A world-renowned immunologist, it isn't just my opinion, and hundreds of scientists have been calling for the same. Yeah. But, you know, as, as Anthony said earlier, these voices of scientists are not getting into the mainstream media. So yeah. we seem like outside that sort of um, constructed dome of reality, where everything is the truth now, and there's no debate going on, we're seen and branded as nutcases. Mm-hmm. So basically what happened was at the end of that, that um, we protest, which there was a few police officers there, and they were just the usual professional cops from Scotland, you know, they're pretty laid back. I went back to my vehicle, was carrying the PA, and they just threw them away to me with a van and said, could you come for a word, please, and step into the vehicle? As soon as I stepped into the vehicle, I thought, oh, I'm under arrest here. Right. And they asked me to go down to the station and would I participate? And I said, if I said no, I'm under arrest. And they said, yes, you are. So I was cautioned and taken to St. Leonard's police station. I was in there about five hours, which was wow. no fun. Wasn't a good experience. Um, but did, they, did they cuff you at any point? No, I wasn't handcuffed. Um, okay. They knew. I mean, the guys knew I'm a cancer, and they knew I sit on some of the local area partnerships right. with police. So I've never been anti-police. I see them as yeah. colleagues when I'm at in the council. So I've never... And we did follow their instructions and we got permission from the parliament police to hold the rally they didn't okay. say no this is an illegal gathering right um and the police inspector who was basically in charge of his shift that day looking after our safety right and our respect to him he made demands of me as the sort of named organizer because when you phone them up they ask your details they get in touch yeah. with etc so the parliament police were decent with us the shift inspector was all right. He said, he said, partially through it, he'd, he'd ask us, could you make an announcement about social distancing? I said, mm-hmm. yep. Did that. And then half an hour, an hour later, he said, could you do it every half hour? And I thought, is he taking a mic here? <laughs> what if I change? I thought, okay, is the police inspector just simply do what the man asks? But to be honest, I was I was called into a EPOG, I think it's the Edinburgh sort of planning group for events on the Friday beforehand. Okay. I, I didn't even know the group existed. And that was like three senior police and the four, three staff in the council, roads, different people, and the head of legal affairs. And they did state to me, state very emphatically near the end, this is an illegal gathering. Are you going to cancel it? Right. Three times, and possibly four. And I basically said to them, we're a grassroots movement. I'm not the leader of this movement. I can't instruct people to just like stand down, it's cancelled. I said, if I did that, it would turn up anyway. Speakers had been invited from various parts of the country. They were going to be coming up, you know. So I just said to them, it's not for me to cancel this. Sure. So when when you were in the van, did did you ask what the charge was? When did they tell you exactly what the charge was? That's a good question. I think it was when I was down at the station. They just said they wanted okay. to make inquiries. Right. But and what was the nature of the charge? What was the exact charge that they, they, they 
And there was three charges. Two of them were relating to the rally at Holyrood, and then one for being the organiser of the smaller protest on the 10th. So it was the 5th of September, and then the 10th of September. And I forget, I don't have the paper in front of me here, but it's um, okay. basically like willful and reckless conduct under the Coronavirus Act, basically right. suggesting that I was risking people's lives with the people being in close proximity and no social distancing. So possibly if people had done the social distancing, um, I might not have been charged. So but I think the police filmed it. They seem to have an absolutely massive wad of printed um, screenshots from the Facebook group that we set up. I mean, yeah. I'm talking hundreds of pages. So it looks right. like the case was being built up. They didn't just suddenly decide they were going yeah. to arrest me on um, the Thursday. So when, when I was taken to the police station, the case was built. It's like so, they got orders from someone. Maybe you shouldn't say anything, but it does look a bit political, to be honest. Okay. I I suspect the hand of Mr. Hamza Yusuf in this, but uh, maybe that, that's just my suspicion. I don't have anything to back that up. So, but but he has the just he has the justice minister. Fair point. Yeah, I think I, I better um, <laughs> yeah say nothing. Um, right. On, Fair on that topic. Yeah, I don't have any friends in the SNP. I think in some ways they see me as someone who was elected on the ticket. And maybe there is a will or a desire to punish me for what I've done, you know. Yeah, actually, that's yeah, I, I can quite believe that. But were you have you been re-elected as an independent since? You no, I haven't. No, so okay. I think there's, I think there's a there's been a few digs um, made by some of the local councillors, you know, that these independents right. should have stepped down, etc. Right. Right. Okay. But I mean, but when I, are the next I, council elections? They're they're uh, not. It's it's not next year, but the fall in 20, 2022. Yeah, if we still have any political process left, then you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's that's not an exaggeration. I mean, I don't think it's a, uh, it's far fetched. I mean, I, I I could I wouldn't be surprised if they even postponed the parliamentary elections next yeah. year at this rate. Um, I'm 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 looking. I'm planning to stand in the the Duddingston and Craig and Tinney council yeah. election here in Edinburgh. That's going ahead for the moment, but obviously that can change at a, a moment's notice. Is that a by-election, Sorry. Sorry? Is that a, by a by-election coming up soon? It's a by-election, yeah. It's a council by-election. So, what, what's the date? Uh, it's been postponed. Oh, it's it, it was supposed to have taken... Uh, it, supposed to have taken place months ago right. because of this uh, government created crisis, I have to say. Uh, it's, it's been postponed. So... Um, I'll probably, I can't see any hustings going on, so it'll probably be a paper candidate to all intents and purposes, but it gets her, it gets her name in the party on the ballot paper. Uh, yeah. Can we turn back to, you mentioned something that's very important, which is cases. Uh, I'm sick of reading about cases in the newspaper, and it seems to me total scaremongering. I, I look at it and I go, let me get this right. 300 people who didn't know that they had it gave it to another 200 people who don't know that they've got it either. You know, like what's, they don't tell you what was the extent, you know, what were they, how were they affected? You know, was it debilitating? What were the deaths? That's not, it's just cases. And, you know, they've switched because 
originally they used deaths and it was COVID-19 deaths and COVID-19 cases. Now they've switched and it's just coronavirus cases. Jesus. Which is, which as you've pointed out, can be simply the common cold or the flu. Aye, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think they're aware of, they must be aware of that and of what they're doing. This whole situation has made me very much more open to conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Paddy. Right. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the signs and with yeah. common sense and what we can see. Because your eyes sometimes don't lie to you, what you see in your own street, in your own communities, in your own yeah. shops. And in your own family. Hi. I mean, during the pandemic, you can clearly see, if you look at the cold stats of the excess deaths, we had a pandemic um, from, I think it probably started maybe February, but you know when they kicked in all the controls, they, they yeah. dropped the legal high contagious infectiousness um, level anyway, on I think it was the 19th, they locked us down the 20, 22nd. And you, you can see from the excess deaths, there was definitely a pandemic there. And it was, it was primarily those over 80 with comorbidities who took a hammer because we didn't properly protect them, which mm -hmm. is tragic. And there should be a proper inquiry into that. Absolutely. And it should never happen again. Um, but once, you, once you're getting to end of May, June, you can see that the, there's a level now for the stats. Yeah. Excess deaths start to come back to normal. Now that is, whether, no matter what science background you come from, epidemiology, immunology, or whatever area, that's the proof that the pandemic is dead in the water. So during that summer period when we're all boosted with vitamin D, we rarely see a case of any type of coronavirus. And you've got Professor Hugh Pennington, obviously not in the good books of Nicola Sturgeon mm. and her team, and a world-renowned virologist and he's kicked to the side he made a statement not too long ago saying you don't get second spikes with coronaviruses they're generally um weaker than some flus so i mean 57 and 67 flu epidemics killed way over a million people worldwide so this coronavirus there was no lockdowns then and we even had sage telling the government early march that a lockdown will not save any lives. So we get the slogans from Cummings saying save lives. Mm -hmm. And yet the experts, the scientific experts are telling the government, both governments, lockdown will only have a benefit to get the ICUs ready based yeah. on Ferguson's overhyped, literally yeah. bullshit stats. We're going yeah. to be candid about it, right? Yeah. Total bullshit. And I think he was paid to do that to get the fear factor going, right? And... Where am I going with this? It's, it's, it's just a case of the fear was hyped so much and the elderly were thrown under the bus. Absolutely. And we know come June, July, the vitamin D effects of, of sunlight improve people's health. And at this point, come the point when we held the rally, as far as I was concerned, scientifically, when I've studied it, I'm just an informed citizen, but I was listening to Professor Levitt to lots of independent people, not the paid hiring scientists, yes. yeah. working for the, the people's vaccine, as the UN said in the last week, because I keep looking at every publication, every statement they make to see what the agenda is, what 
because it's them through the WHO telling the governments what to do. And Sage, half these people are bought from, you know, Devi Sridhar, et cetera. Yeah. Her, her connection to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and to the Clintons and to that higher echelons is so blatant. She shouldn't even be advising the government. Right. She, should, she should be sacked. And, and you've got Pennington saying, you don't get second um, waves. So the question is, how we could do with a panel of pro, sorry, for and against of the independent scientists, and then the other one saying, is COVID-19 still infectious now or not? That's the question that needs to be answered. As yeah. far as I was concerned, from the best signs I could see in September the 5th, there was very little chance of infectivity that was going to lead to these cases being symptomatic and leading to a death. I didn't yeah. see that I risked anybody's health, but I'm not an expert, but I did rely yeah. on experts. Who did we invite? Professor Dolores Cahill, Professor Enos, and Dr. Malcolm Kendrick. Did one of them say, you better social distance because some of you could die? No, they said the opposite. Yeah. yeah. I personally invited the three of them to speak and I tried to raise awareness in Scotland of what was going on and the yeah. bullshit and lies were being told. So, Well, what seems to be disturbing as well is they don't seem to tell us what the exit strategy is. They don't seem to tell us, yeah, what does ground zero look like? What does is, what is victory, if you could call it that, what does victory over the coronavirus look like? What's the acceptable amount of deaths? What's the acceptable amount of cases before all bets are People off? People can't plan their lives. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not just, it's so random. It's like, um, at least if you gave us a, no one can plan ahead. Like, it's like they want everyone to live in this complete limbo where they're completely at the mercy of their overlords. And yeah. the thing that, I, that shocks me is not that the government would do this. I expect this from government. I cannot believe how gullible people are and how I feel like this country full of people who are so, yeah, we're going to show the English and Scottish independence and yo, right? I've never seen such a bunch of miserable bootlickers, right? I'm going to be rude here, Paddy. I know you're an adult and you can cope with this. You probably heard worse. But I feel like if Nicola Sturgeon told people the regulations for COVID is if you want to go into a shop, you have to have a dildo sellotaped up your arse <laughs> and provided no evidence that this would prevent COVID, people would fucking do it. Not only that, but see if you weren't walking through the aisles funny, like you had something shoved up your arse. They'd give you dirty looks, like you were some kind of fucking criminal for disobeying the regulations. It's, I, I, just, I know. I really I, I, needed to get it, that out. Okay. Well, take, take it out. Don't take it out on camera, though. Take it out and you go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's extraordinary, and people, you know, what I get is what infuriates me. You know, people on the left who wouldn't have had normally had a good word to say about Boris Johnson, um, suddenly everything that comes out of his mouth on, on COVID is the is the gospel, you know, and, and not to, not to be doubted. And yeah, that's shocking, isn't it? Because I mean, it a few is. years ago, part of the Indy campaign, it was like anti BBC, BBC bias. 
yeah. seen through the BBC. It was all bullshit. They were manipulating us. Yeah. Now, it's the truth. <laughs> I swore on it. Hook, line, and sinker. But uh -huh. I think your, your questions earlier, Tom, were absolutely bang on. Where is ground zero? What's the exit strategy? And if you're comparing things like death from cardiovascular, you know, heart attack, cancer, etc., and there's other, other diseases like TB, kill yeah. hundreds of times more than the so-called cases now, because I think the only deaths now being attributed to COVID-19 are people who were swabbed months and months ago and seem to be positive, whether legitimate or not. And the likelihood is if we zoom in and sort of drill into the actual death certificates, we'll find probably something else, heart attack or a broken hip or something that's caused the death or cancer probably, because we're yeah. going to start seeing those cancer deaths lack of treatment, lack of primary care treatment, we're going to see the deaths percolating through because we yeah. literally shut down the NHS from the cradle to the grave. It's yeah. days. Um, when it comes to now, I mean, given the lockdown situation, something that's really um, got to me is, I think Anthony made the point earlier, and it's so true, but it's not getting out there in the mainstream media, that when you isolate people, they go into depression quite quick, and yeah. when they go into depression and the more they're cut down, if you're not getting enough physical activity, your endorphins go down. And as your endorphins go down, your immune system lowers as well. Yeah. And if, if anyone here studied um, low-dose naltrexone, you'll know that if you take something like, say, 3.5 or 4 micrograms of low-dose naltrexone, that orchestrates a huge lift in your immune system and through, bizarrely, originally, suppressing the endorphins overnight when you take it and during the night your system orchestrates like literally like an orchestra building up the endorphins and it boosts your immune system by about 300 percent so we know that when endorphins collapse your immune system goes down and if you take the classic example of someone say in their 80s and they've lost their husband or wife and that love and affection is gone that person is slowly dying through lack yeah. of love through lack of um social interaction and all the things that make us human yeah. so when you when you start looking at i drafted a wee chart last night you know no meeting of people and some of them are here like voluntary agencies community places where where some elderly people might go and do a bit of dancing i know some of my own constituents where it's a guy and um, late 70s he's on his own he's a bit of a gardener he stays fit and healthy and his life was looking forward to two nights dancing every week. Real character, just loved talking to Mr. Finney. Right. Uh, football and care homes, three meter stuff there. Yeah. Theatres, music, bands, football, all this sort of stuff. Churches and chapels. I mean, I miss going with fellow Christians to various places, you know. And it's very sad that we can't go and sing and celebrate our belief yeah. must be. It is outrageous. Yes, it, it is outrageous. And it doesn't make any sense either. No. You know, if you can go to pubs, I don't see why you can't go to church. Ah, exactly. As Lord Assumption said, the rule of six is unenforceable. Yeah. And he'd said as well, someone that was actually younger than him because he was late 70s, we should have the right. Imagine guilt tripping people, all this social, psychological, almost abuse engineering. Don't yeah. try and kill your granny. I mean, I've got grandkids. Okay, I'm yeah. a young 60-year-old guy, you know. 
<laughs> still reasonably fit. I uh, used to, a few years ago, I was winning shot putting discus throwing competitions. So that's just two or three. Um, I think I've got some of the medals here. Wonderful. Here's some of the medals here that I won, you know. Just Here's some you won earlier. Excellent. Oh, five minutes <laughs> they, ago. They were, all, they were all bronze and silver, though, Paddy. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, that's just a few years ago. Um, yep. I'm not quite as fit as I should be now, but with all this lockdown crap, you know. But you can see that the, the actual human um, humanity of human what we are is meeting people face to face, hugging the people we really care about. Yeah. I've got two daughters and some Ra and a son and he's moved. He's had to move to get a job. And two of the family lost their jobs due to lockdown. Fortunately, they've now got them. I miss them terribly. Right. And yes, so one of, one of the big things for me to look forward to is seeing my kids, seeing the love in their eyes, you know. So I've got, I've got strong empathy with the, the people that are shut three metres away. This yes. is low torture to me, psychologically. Yeah. You put someone in a care home, even if there are strangers trying to look after them, you know, and helping them as much as they can, we're slowly killing these people. We are. And one of the things is, we heard this compared to oh, you know, the world wars where people made sacrifices and had rationing. This is, what's been done is the complete opposite because what people needed to do was tighten their belts and accept sacrifices. Now we have the government literally bribing people with mostly what is going to be their own labor in the future. The money has to come from somewhere. You consume more. I mean, it used to be an uncontroversial point in economics. You have to produce in order to consume. Yeah, yeah. If you consume now, you have to produce later. Yeah. So I don't know if people know in the States, the government before, this is such an irony. I even have um, a friend that um, I would say is quite lefty and um, in they were posting of the hypocrisy of this, right? They've just said right. that, that pubs have to shut at 10. Just a few weeks ago, the government was bribing people with their own money to go out to dinner. They had a scheme called Eat Out to Help Out, where if you ordered a £20 meal, the government would pay £10 of it. Right. Right. So they were encouraging people to go out. Right. Now, they're discouraging people from going out. It's also, you know, a, a, an economic point that, you know, if people don't, aren't demanding food, maybe they actually have something more important to spend their money on than going out to a restaurant. If we were, tightening, if we were really tightening our belts, we wouldn't be going out to restaurants. We'd be spending our money on conservative things that you have to spend your money on when you're tighten, tightening your belt. But when the government comes along and pays 80% of people's wages, which, you know, maybe one day they'll have to pay back. They're basically bribing people to shut the F up. I don't yeah. think I need to beep out F after mentioning a dildo, but, you know, <laughs> they basically bribe people to shut the fuck up and take the lockdown. Uh, and yeah. um, maybe it would be better if people had a sort of philosophy like ours, where they said, well, you know, no, you, you don't get to give people handouts in lockdown. People should have to suffer the economic consequences of the lockdown right now so that they can decide whether or not it's worth the cost. And if right. they go, no, we're suffering too bad, you've got to let us go back to work, then the government has to listen. Yeah. Do you, do you think 
that I mean, my my assessment, Paddy, is that I mean, I, I could be wrong, but the people I meet, the demograph of people who sort of instinctively know that this is all crapola, and the people who are buying the line, I find that when I run into people who work for a living yeah. and who've worked through this, like the delivery drivers, the truck drivers, all the guys who've been working all the way through this. They know that it's crapola. They, you, you, they all say the same thing. This is a load of crap because they, they know that they go, I've worked through this. I'm working with colleagues and none of us are all dropping down dead. And we're the, we're the highest risk groups, Aye. you know? And if we, if everybody in that environment, if everybody in those, those, uh, those groups, those working people who've worked all the way through this, if they had have all stuck to the guidelines, this country would have ground to a halt. An absolute halt because, you know, I, I work in a workplace where there's maybe, I've got a small team of six people, eight people, whatever. If one of us contracts symptoms, I'm supposed to phone in myself and stay off work for seven days or two weeks, whatever, whatever it is now, whatever they've decided. But not only that, the rest of my colleagues are supposed to do all isolate as well. So who does the work? Nobody. And if, I think, that, you know, if, if people, the first time they got a, <coughs> oh, I better phone in, I'm surprised how many honest people there's been who've just went, well, look, it's, it's not bad. It's just a, a slight cough. I'm going to go into work or whatever. And they're the people that are keeping things going. I think, that, never mind the NHS, I think they're the true heroes, the delivery drivers, the, the people that are running uh, takeaway food services, yeah. uh, supermarket workers. Exactly. I think they're the, the true heroes through all this. And I think yeah. a lot of those yeah. instinctively know that this is this is all unnecessary. I don't, what, do you, what do you think about that, Paddy? No, I think, I, I mean, I, I felt the same stuff. Tom, I was thinking the same because um, I kind of few guys that do that, that work. And obviously, during the first week, I know that the fear levels was at a severe pitch. Yeah. And it was affecting particularly my two girls. And I, I went down the road to try and help out there and um, breaking the, the lockdown restrictions just that first week. Because I didn't yeah. like the idea of my daughter's being absolutely terrified by the media right. and possibly their their immune system collapsed. And so I took stuff down to them to, to speak, spoke to Roberta anyway, you know, about the situation. Right. Because it was petrifying. But I mean, everybody had to go shopping to get food to survive. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, with all this stuff celebrating the NHS, it was to me that was the food work, the workers yeah. in, the, in the retail outlets, because you were talking to them face to face. And I was just checking they were okay um, and saying to them, have you got enough vitamin D? One or two of them, I took packets of vitamin D and C and just handed it to them. And if they didn't know, I spent two or three minutes making sure that they knew. And I said, look, you're dealing with close contact with people. This yeah. is a highly infectious thing. This is probably your age, you won't be affected. But I even gave them notes, watch this thing on vitamin D or vitamin C. I always do my best to try and explain and talk to people and help them as a responsible human being. You know, it's not part of my role as a, as a counsellor, but... Who, just, who would have thought a perfectly natural thing like vitamin C and D would have been so controversial? It's shocking. The number of times when you would see um, the fact-checking crocodiles coming up going, snap, false. The only thing... You could see that it was a vaccine agenda from day one. Right. Killing off the notion that intravenous vitamin C, I mean, vitamin C generally, there's 19 pathways by which it helps the human body. And it you know, helps immunity. Yeah. Vitamin D, there's about 84,000 peer-reviewed papers on that. And I haven't read them all, but I read a lot of them, right? Yeah. 
I'm a bit yeah. of a tedious person that way. I'll go through the science in detail. And if you right. look at the videos, I know that a couple of the videos I did were much more detailed than some doctors because they're just in a quick, superficial sure. thing. Yeah. You know? And so I was doing my best. So to be somebody that's, that's been blasted as a antivirus, um, tin hat wearing, fucking idiot was the sort of stuff I got yeah. a few times. Yeah. Conspiracy theorists. It's, all of that is based on people who are, in my view, to quote R.F. McKenzie, the great educationalist we had many years ago, they're living in a prison house of the mind, controlled by the BBC and fear, and they're the ones being herded and brainwashed and told what to believe. And fear is the key to manipulating people, getting them uncertain. And the more scared you are, the more anxious you are, the more irrational you'll be. You won't do... And, and they're suffering cognitive dissonance as well. Yes. So and I, I don't want to insult anyone who takes the caution of wearing a mask. I don't want to offend them. No, that's their right and their privilege to do and, so. Yeah. But, but I would like to be able to not be seen as someone threatening their life. I would rather speak to them and say, look, you're raising your CO2 levels, which is making your blood system more carbonic. The more acidic your blood becomes, the more likely you're going to get cancer in the long term. Yeah. And the lack of oxygen will cause and contribute slowly to hypoxia. You're taking more of a risk. You lower your immunity when wearing a mask. Yeah. I, I don't want to frighten people, though. So I don't have the callousness or the brutality yeah. of those pushing the vaccine agenda. Because I, I know from the study and the science of the vaccines, some of them, if they're clean, they'll work. And some have worked in the past. Enough a lot, not. There's yeah. quite a few where if they over attenuate a bit of a virus like they've done with some flus, um, seen a, a study of American troops. The American troops who took that over attenuated um, vaccine were spreading the virus. It was too right. much. More. So that sure. could have happened with COVID 19. The flu vaccine, some of the flu vaccines, if you're taking like monkey kidneys or other animal products, you can take over what's called retroviruses, and some of them could be coronaviruses from animals getting into a flu vaccine. Right. Not impossible. Right. Um, Judy Mikovic has, has said that this is possible as well, that some of the vaccines could have contributed to autoimmune issues. Some of them have. And if you look back, what, 50 years, and you look at autism and the rise in autism from one in maybe 50,000, it's almost one in 50 now. Why? And Dr. Andrew Wakefield has said things like neurotoxins, like aluminium, mercury, etc., that these are contributory factors. But again, we go back to that sort of notion of independent scientists, independent doctors will say these things. Right. And the pro-industry ones, what we're seeing overall is a massive globalization power grip on different societies under the UN right. and a vaccine agenda. If you look at the UN um, statements on a daily basis, they're talking about the people's vaccine as the only cure. It, right. to, me, to me, it's not. Right. So, but that's a controversial topic. If you okay. start to say, but the yeah, thing is, you're in trouble, you know. One should have the right to say these things, right? I don't know if I don't know if what you says say is true or not. I know that they give people a bunch of vaccines they don't need, like 
Tetanus, for example. No one ever bloody gets tetanus. In the First World War with shrapnel flying everywhere, there was like two examples of soldiers getting tetanus. Um, but they give it to everyone. So there's several examples of that. But the point is, we should be allowed to have the conversation and people can yeah. sit in and listen to what you say and what I say and they can bring more evidence and show if people are talking nonsense. No, no, but you're spreading fear and alarm. All right. we're, yeah, and, we're yeah, the yeah. ones spreading fear and we're, alarm. Yeah, exactly. That's ironic. We're the ones spreading fear and alarm. <laughs> like, you know, the, the only ones that, the only thing I would say is any, anyone who's even got criticisms of vaccines is labeled anti-vax in fact one person um i'm not anti-vax i'm open i'm open-minded right i I can only say i can only say what i've heard right so i'm open to evidence for and against there was a guy germany jeremy hammond who's writing a book he's written series of articles he was labeled anti-vax and had data taken down from the internet and the only thing he actually did was post information from the government's own website on vaccines. So what he did was he debunked the New York Times, the Washington, any, any newspaper that ran a story on vaccines that had a wrong fact, according to the government's own website, yeah, he yeah. quoted the government's own website and he got taken off platforms and called anti-vax. For, yeah, so it, it's, it's completely irrational. It makes you smell a rat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's not forget, I mean, you, you're old enough and I'm old enough to remember thalidomide and how the government said that that was absolutely safe and the consequences of that, you know. But yeah. we, we need to wind this up soon. Yeah. So, so what, what I want to do just is... Uh, if there is any positives, if there is any light at the end of this tunnel, um, you know, what is it? What, Paddy, give us some hope here, if you can. I'm not hopeful. I think we're going from bad to worse. I see the globalization and especially centralization of power getting worse. The SNP looks like it's one of the most centralized governments in, in Europe. Um, and becoming increasingly illiberal, uh, this new hate crimes bill that they're proposing yeah. to, to bring in is insidious, like a lot of the legislation that the SNP have put forward. Is there any light at the end of this tunnel, Paddy? What's your, what's your view? Well, that's, that's some question. Um, maybe at different times of the day or different weeks, I would answer it differently. Yeah. I feel very similarly. I, I think... We're on a roller coaster just now, and I think um, at least we've got voices speaking out, like Lord Assumption, um, yeah. saying that there's a lot of this is founded upon, you know, that people who are not infected shouldn't be being arrested. We shouldn't be yes. um, treated in certain ways. Correct. And we the people ignore. that needed protected, we exposed them. The old aye, people aye, and aye. the people who didn't need protected, we locked them down. Aye, aye. Well, as, as I said earlier, the, the sage, so-called experts, because every expert simply just that, an expert, and it's expert opinion. So yeah. sometimes um, educated citizens and the public have got as just a value judgment. You know, where's the objectivity? We can see objectivity in the stats with Michael Levitt, with Professor Levitt. Um, but where's the light at the end of the tunnel? 
I think the only light at the end of the tunnel I can imagine just now is that when people have taken enough, and it's not a cliche just saying enough is enough. It's like Andrei Sakharov's comment that at the end of the day, whatever oppression we're put under, the human spirit is eternal. And it's, it's really in connection with that, that even if oppression becomes worse, I don't see that any of our governments are speaking the truth that they're trying to protect us from an infected virus just now. They themselves are under the cosh from world powers. This sounds like conspiracy theory. It is not. It's a vaccine agenda. It's being paid for. The same people who took out the Twin Towers, I will speak the truth and I don't care the consequences. That's why I'm a troublemaker. The SNP government had to shut up because I will speak the truth to my last breath. The same people that destroyed 9-11 have got together with Gates and we now have a virus being used as a pretext for the new world order. It's as simple as that. They have got an iron boot of fascism that they are slowly crushing us. And at some point, the police and the army and our nurses, because if they start injecting them with a vaccine that is dodgy, our nurses will go down, the police will go down, and our society will be flattened. So at some point, our people will stand up and humanity will have the fucking balls to stand up and say we've had enough. And I think this attempted coup by this bunch of elitist so-and-sos will end when humanity has got the guts to say, we will take no more of your crap. Once everyone is awakened and can see it, I just pray that day is a day that I am alive to see. But pleasure speaking to you guys. Right. No, God bless good. you, Paddy. I just you. want to thank you, first of all, for taking such a brave stand, uh, speaking your conscience. It's a Second, walking position at times. Secondly, um, for organizing and being involved in making these protests. Thirdly, for being willing to be arrested. Well, I don't know how willing you are, but I mean, you I, knew, put, I knew it was coming. I knew it was okay. coming. So, like. For putting yourself in the firing line, and I, I hope your example, and people will go, oh, you know, a, a councillor was arrested, and we'll certainly do what we can to support you if, if that's needed. Just let us know what we can do. Just for anyone who wants to know more, where can they find you online? Um, I've got a YouTube channel with just under my name, Patrick Hogg. So um, I don't have any pseudonyms. So I'm just who I am, plain down to earth guy. There's nothing to hide. I've seen people even doing, um, recently people who are on our side, doing um, FOIs and me to check me out. I've nothing to hide. Principled from the day of birth till my last breath. And that's the way it'll be. And I will take on any injustice or any corruption that I see or meet head on and will speak about it. Um, that's just the way it is if you've got, if you want to meet your maker and have your soul sort of checked out, you know, every page, yeah. every page in that book is checked. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Paddy, God bless. Thanks very much for yeah. joining us and uh, stay, stay strong. I yeah. sometimes say that sometimes it's up and down, you know, it's not easy. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Hang in there. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're with you in spirit we're at least you. for another period. Right, appreciate it, Tom, and lovely to talk to you, Anthony, as well. So, all yeah. the best. Hope that by-election comes along, mate, and you give him a good shake. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> if this come along, give us a shout. I'll come and give you a hand. Well, that, that's great. It's good to know. Uh, well, thanks. Pleasure. Thanks very much.
Okay, thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me on.